Hey everybody, welcome back to the Wacky Wonderful Show. This is what, week three of Star Wars content? Week three, it's episode 13 though. Yeah, so episode 13 of the Wacky Wonderful Show, week three of Star Wars content. That's right, and guess what, dude? What's that? This show is now on Spotify. Is it really? It is. I didn't know. We're, <laughs> I genuinely we're didn't putting know. it up there right next to our podcast on Spotify. Why not? We, we Why not? We getting any hits? Well, no, it's not. Oh, okay. I mean, as of this, it's been up for like a couple weeks, but currently no, because nothing's live yet. No. But <laughs> sorry. Right. Hey. Look. <laughs> 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 Right. Yeah, week good. three of Star Wars. You overwhelmed yet? Uh, no, not really. I, there's a lot of Star Wars stuff to get into, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of Star Wars stuff. That's right to talk about. So it feels like it's kind of like picking inside of an ocean. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you going to have for dinner when you have the entire seafood world mm-hmm. to choose from? Yeah, it's like, do I want salmon or scallops? Right. You know, do I want crab tuna? You know, I don't typically go for tuna. That's an easy pick. But do I want crab or do I want shrimp? Right. I like, man, I like the sushi, though. Mm. I, I go for the sushi almost every time. Yeah, but the sushi is a variety. The sushi's like I like rice the, I like the raw seaweed. fish. I like the raw fish sushi. Do you go for tuna or salmon? All of it. All of it. But the All, thing is, I like the way the, the fish feels between my teeth. <laughs> I'm... A, <laughs> I'm a salmon <laughs> and shrimp guy. That's me. Okay. So I like those kind of sushis. I'm not yeah, a typical I like salmon, tuna I like guy. Shrimp. I love catfish. <laughs> Dude, I freaking love catfish. I just need to have me some catfish. I haven't mm. had it in a minute. I forgot what it tastes like. It's 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 got, you know, rich bold flavor. Uh there's always a lot of meat on a catfish. It doesn't break apart super easy. Mm-hmm. It's just like the best of all the worlds. So well, you know, uh, are there any fish in, in the Star Wars universe? Hmm. Well, there's like the Mon Calamari people. Okay. So they're like squids. Fish-like. Yeah. Okay, sick. So we're getting back into week three <laughs> of Star Wars, and man alive, I'm not overwhelmed. I'm Well, no, I am overwhelmed. Mm. I'm more so... I'm more so overwhelmed with the direction of ideas you can go with because when you're trying to craft something for what's going to be enjoyed Mm -hmm. by an audience, you kind of have to roll with more trending ideas. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you can go to old stuff, Mm -hmm. but is old stuff going to be enjoyed? Maybe not really because everything's already been done about the old stuff. Unless you put some sort of new spin on it or connect it. Exactly. And so it's kind of an overwhelming and vast pool to, uh, you know, to select from. Mm -hmm. But yet here we are. Week three, we're about halfway through. You've also got to think about like, you know, I mean, you were telling me before the show, uh, one of the one of the videos that you wanted to use, Disney doesn't want you right. to use it. They're Disney's a stickler that. when it comes to their Star Wars, man. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, yeah, no, you can't put this on YouTube. So, right, yeah, it's, um, it's tough. Yeah, and the nature of my thing is, I'm I like to talk about filmmaking. Obviously, if you watch the show, so you know, yeah, you got to play video. <laughs> yeah. And in order to play video, you have to 
think make you sure you're not to the dark side. <laughs> you think you could use my god to get away with it? No. <laughs> Join me. <laughs> now. <laughs> Look. Disney, I've said many times, and I'll continue to say, has been the best and worst thing that happened to Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I know last week I talked about, you know, Disney backing John Favreau's vision for the filmmaking of mm-hmm. The Mandalorian, and it's just so complex. They're really being the same way that the old films were. They're being incredibly revolutionary or right being incredibly <clears throat> futuristic with how they are incorporating technology that doesn't even really exist yet into the filmmaking process yeah you know they're using a video game system called unreal mm-hmm. but you know five three years from now they're going to have a company that's exactly the same as Unreal, but catered towards the filmmaking, filmmaking industry, industry for <clears throat> things like the volume, the LED yeah. walls. But right now they're like, well, let's use what we have. That's video game technology and let's make Star Wars. And it's also, it's really crazy to me that, uh, you know, in the past, especially if you look at The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. Everything involving The Force Awakens, the behind the scenes, story writing, the, you know, characters, everything, they they were so careful. Like, this is Star Wars. Yeah. This is Star Wars. We mm-hmm. got to make this, you know, special. This is Star Wars. Yes. And it's, you know, they're making strange executive decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we got a movie that was essentially A New Hope. <laughs> Because they were like, this is Star Wars. We got to be careful. Yeah. And then. Tread lightly. In these, in these new shows, it feels like there are parts where they're having the same kind of executive problems. Mm-hmm. Where the executives are like, no, we need this in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And it's not working. Yeah. Nobody wanted the Moss Vespa gang. Nobody. Nobody wanted. Nobody was looking for that. No. We don't so, want the tattoo parlor. No. No. Teenage savior. No, we don't need any of that. Moody vibe. We don't want it. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> that was really good. Thanks. Wow. That was actually really impressive. Thanks. Well, uh, you know, with that, you know, kind of wrapping up those thoughts, we're going to get into some of the good stuff mm-hmm. in Star Wars. So, I'm going to be opening this off with taking a look at how Star Wars communicates emotions Mm. cinematically, specifically with characters who you don't see their face. Yeah. Because acting, a lot of times, actors say acting is here. Mm. What happens if here is not an option? Yeah. How do you communicate what's needing to be communicated emotion-wise? And then you're going to come in and do a what? I'm going to be talking a little bit about Ahsoka Tano. <gasps> yeah, uh, Ahsoka's, you know, kind of a big thing in the live action shows right now. Yeah. And a lot And of she's people, kind of the lead character for a lot of the animated stuff. A lot of people don't know Ahsoka from the show. Because they've only watched the live actions. Um, yeah, they've only seen the live actions. You know, because to be honest, the Clone Wars TV show is a show for, you know, young people. 
even though it has a lot of Star Wars content, a lot of enjoyable Star Wars stuff. And a lot of it. lore. But it has a lot of lore in it, and it's essentially the Ahsoka Tano show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's really, a lot of it is about her. Yeah. And it's amazing that they've managed to connect her throughout the years to the different series and different characters. So that's really cool. So you're going to be doing a character breakdown of Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. So sort of, sort of, it's sort of a character breakdown, uh, kind of, uh, kind of just like uh, a lot of informational stuff about some of the things that happened in her life. Maybe and, a get to know her. Yes. Kind of a get to know. Kind of like a pre-dating episode. situation. Right. Kind of like I swiped left. Yeah. Or I swiped right. Well, this is maybe a little bit more information than you're going to get on that, <laughs> on that swipe, you know? Yeah. Not like, uh, oh, I like, uh. I like dogs, and my master turned evil. You know, not that kind of stuff. But <laughs> what do you call the things that hang down? I don't know. Her ears? They're not ears. It's like it's like hair. Okay. Because it grows. Okay. Yeah. And that's why everyone was like, "Why aren't they longer?" Yeah, because in in Star Wars Rebels, you know, her her tendril things are much longer. Mm-hmm. But then you know they dialed it back when they went to the live action. So yeah, Dave Filoni's like, I gotta make these grow longer as we do live action. So we gotta pretend no. they weren't as long as they were. No, I don't think he's gonna make them grow long. I think it's just, I think the design choice is just uh, a design choice. Okay, you know, you're bringing a, a cartoon character into live action. Plus, you don't want the actress to be wearing this big heavy thing on her head. She's gonna have to. She's know. playing Ahsoka. Well, she already is wearing mm-hmm. a big heavy thing on her head. But mm-hmm. if you add like all the weight, I mean, her, the the one on her back goes like all the way down to her butt. It's That's a, true. It, you know, she's going to be having to wear that all day on mm-hmm. set. That That's a lot tough. of neck workout. Even if it's like a foam type stuff. And if it's a foam, you're not getting the movement. Okay. If Ahsoka was real, mm. let's answer this question when we get back at mm-hmm. the end. If Ahsoka was real, would you be willing to date her? And would you be into her? We're so answering this on the way back. We're we're answering this at the end of All our right, segment. Okay. So, with that said, let's go ahead and get into emotion, cinematic communication, and character breakdown. Yeah, get to know Ahsoka Tano. Let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the studio. We're here once again to look at some Star Wars content. I know it's been a good time. We got a chance to look at Cad Bane. We got a chance to look at some of the fascinating technology that they are being innovative with in the world of cinematography, filmmaking, inside of the story of Star Wars. And so we're this week going to actually take a look at a little bit of communication in the world of cinema and visual storytelling. And a big part of this is I couldn't think of a better story to talk about this for. It's basically how to communicate emotion when you don't have this. By this, meaning the face, obviously, a lot of Star Wars characters have masks. We're going to be looking at two different scenes and analyzing them to try to bring out how are the cinematographers and filmmakers communicating the emotion of the character to us when you can't see the emotion of the character, essentially. 
If this is your first time watching one of these videos, I'm Joe. Thank you for joining me today. And uh, I've done a, a handful of short films. I've done all kinds of content creation. And so I've been really self-teaching myself in the art of filmmaking. Because of that, that leads to analyzing and being fascinated in the craft of filmmaking, visual storytelling, cinematography. I believe that if you watch films and you know what to look for, well then you can actually learn the art of filmmaking just by watching. But you first have to know what to look for. And so that's what I'm here to help you do today. So we're gonna go ahead and kind of take a look at two scenes, one from Return of the Jedi, it, the focus will be on Darth Vader, and then the other one will be the Mandalorian from, I think, season two. It involves Grogu and Ahsoka Tanu. We're going to see how specifically Darth Vader and then the Mandalorian acts, how their emotion is being communicated to us. So let's go ahead and open with the scene from Return of the Jedi to get started. Now, young Skywalker, you will die. I love this old style filming. Okay, first off, I want to just say this, that the first thing I'm noticing right off the bat is framing and movement. And so Darth Vader, who was previously known as Anakin, obviously, is having emotions about his son that he has not previously experienced. He doesn't want to see his son die, and he's just kind of now realizing that. And it's interesting how they communicated this visually is there's just a slight push in on a close up of him as he's watching Luke be tortured by the Emperor. So let's keep watching. I think they go to another one. He also looks to the Emperor and kind of sees like he's he's kind of going back and forth between these opposing factors and almost has an internal struggle of like, who am I loyal to? My son or essentially my boss or my mentor? As he's observing his son being tortured, look at the shot right here. Right there. We see that kind of very slow push in just to feel the intensity of saying there's an internal struggle here. And so that's actually significant, especially when you don't have, you know, you can't see someone's eyes. People say, the eyes are the window to the soul. When you can't see that, you have to communicate that in every other way possible. And so let's let's just watch a few more seconds of this and kind of feel maybe another avenue, not just visually, but what are we hearing auditorially? Let's let's take a listen to this. So it's not just framing, but it's also what we're hearing. So we obviously hear him say no, but more importantly, we hear the intense strikes of the force lightning and you hear it and it's very, it's very shrill. It's very like soul piercing. 
But then you also have the intensity of the music. You hear this choir, you hear the symphony, and it's building with emotion. And it's kind of like this, it's not the same song, but it kind of lends itself very nicely to the relationship between father and son. If you hear it, you kind of you kind of feel like the torture of a father mentally as you hear his son, but then the music lends itself to that turmoil. You hear that? So it actually it actually plays super well to see where's the direction of the emotion, what is the internal struggle with Darth Vader. It's not just visually, and it's not just this back and forth looking on this close-up, which a close-up is important. It's significant when it comes to filmmaking. It's kind of the focus of the scene, but it's super cool to see how we're not seeing anybody's face, but we're seeing him look around to make make a decision between, am I loyal to this guy, or am I loyal to this young man who happens to be my son? You feel that. You feel it very strongly. So I would say in this scene, one thing I'm noticing big is the framing and the movement of the framing, the close-up, that push in to say, hey, there's emotion here. And then also just the intense music going on in the background to show that strife, to show that inner turmoil Darth Vader is feeling. Let's go to another scene. Um, It's actually from The Mandalorian. And we're going to take a look at... Mando interacting with Grogu, and a little bit of Ahsoka here. So let's go ahead and watch this. He's hidden his abilities to survive over the years. Let's try something else. Come over here. He's stubborn. Not him. You. I want to see if he'll listen to you. That would be a first. I like firsts. Good or bad, they're always memorable. Now hold the stone out in the palm of your hand and tell him to lift it up. So first thing I'm noticing, obviously we have a repeat of, we get the music, the lack of music shows the tone for the scene. It kind of shows the tone for the character, but it also, the framing, makes it feel kind of detached. Everything is kind of like this medium to long shot as we see here. And so everything's kind of detached. You feel a little detached from Grogu and Ahsoka and Mando. There's not that close connection because Grogu is not participating in this exercise. So we see a little bit of the emotion. We can feel it. But then to add something to that as actually the supporting characters. So one way that I believe Star Wars, even in the last clip, very strongly um, utilizes is supporting characters where you are very clearly seeing the emotion. Um, With Grogu, he's super cute. Whenever he's on frame, everybody's got their eye on Grogu because he's a little baby. He's cute. The supporting characters in a scene, whether they're a puppet or whether they're real, they are motivating the character like Mando, his emotions that you can't see communicated. I think supporting characters is a big point, not just framing, not just music, or in this case, the lack of music, but also the interaction and the emotions of the supporting characters. They play a heavy role in projecting what our masked character might be feeling. All right, kid. Lift the stone. Grogu. And you see that he's just like 
Grogu, you, you can kind of feel the emotion, you know? It's kind of in his body language. I would say that's another big part of this is body language. Even if you go back just a little bit when she's referencing um, to come here and try something, and he's reacting to stuff, his body language plays a big part of it. He's stubborn. Not him. Shaking his head. You. I want what? to see if he'll listen to you. But let's keep watching and see how we can kind of see multiple layers of this communication played out here. Grogu. I know I keep pausing this, but I think it's significant. You know, there he has to be a little bit more expressive in his body language like he's doing like a lot of stuff with his head whereas like if he's looking around you in real life an actor might just choose to give one of these you know and here in order to be convincing he has to and you know it's it's reasonable because he has a little bit of line of sight with his mask but he is a little bit more exaggerated with his reactions to things come on take the stone you see, I told you he's stubborn. Try to connect with him. You notice they were on this this medium shot as he's trying to get him to get the stone, and then it cuts away because he's like, "Oh, we're disconnected. He's not trying." Even though he attempted, it got closer. It re it unattached and got to a long shot because they're like, "It's not working." All right, we're a little closer here. see a little push in from the camera right there just a very slight little push in on him okay Grogu do you want this see now we're at a close up so as we're getting more connected we see that framing move in closer and closer from what felt detached is now getting more intimate and that's that's a part of what we were saying earlier with framing plays a big part in emotion well go ahead that's right take it come on you can have it come on good job good job kid you see that? I think that's really well done. There's a few editing choices that maybe if I was the editor, I would have chose differently. But if we also go back just a few moments and take a listen, as he's figuring out what does Grogu want, there's history there. So that's a, that plays a big part in the emotion. So I need to acknowledge the history of the storytelling. But that's more storytelling more than it is you know, the specific how do we communicate this emotion on screen. So the, the little ball from the spaceship, that is history between the two characters. But notice when he has the idea, we hear that music come in. As we start to see that little push in and he has this idea, we hear that music come in. You hear that? Where before it was silent. And the little head movements really show that he's having thoughts and that the music cues are important to communicate, hey, 
It's becoming intimate. It's becoming connected once again when before it was silent. So if I'm analyzing these two things, I would say what Star Wars utilizes the most to communicate emotion in their films or their shows is number one, music plays the biggest role, even across cinema, not just in Star Wars. You tell the emotion of the character based on music. If you if the audience doesn't know what to feel, tell them with the genre, the feel, the emotion of the music. And then you have frame movement or just framing in general. If things are becoming intimate, if things are becoming connected, if things are becoming emotional, get closer, focus in. If they feel detached, widen up. Um, and then you have supporting characters. They play a big part in the emotion they can project their emotion onto the other character who you don't see as much emotion from. And then obviously body language. You have to be a little bit more exaggerated. Obviously Darth Vader has to physically turn. He can't just slightly look over and back at Luke and then back at the Emperor. He actually has to physically turn. So you very clearly see what's going on. Same with Mando as he's looking around and reacting to things. He has to move, you know. If he has a thought, he's sticking his head up like this. And then pulling out things, you know, he's very more, his body language is more animated. And then the thing that I, I, I have to acknowledge, but I don't tend to appreciate, but they do a lot in Star Wars is exposition. They've done it from the beginning of the very first movie, A New Hope, all the way to modern day. They do exposition the best. And I don't mean they do it really well. I mean, they are the most commonly used for exposition i guess and maybe that is because they have so many puppets and characters that are in masks or maybe it's because the story is so elaborate they have to constantly communicate but exposition is another way of communicating the emotions literally just telling the audience what they feel um that's an easy way to do it i, I would say in my opinion if i was writing a story that would be my last tactic i prefer to show don't tell but, you know, Star Wars has a history of telling as opposed to showing in a lot of cases. And so I guess because we love Star Wars, we forgive it. But I would say out of those five things, music, framing and movement, supporting characters, body language, and then maybe some exposition, those are, in my opinion, the top five ways that Star Wars communicates emotions when you don't have a face to communicate it. So I hope this was enlightening to you. I hope it gets you thinking about, well, if there's a character I can't see their face on film, am, do I, am I connected to them? Do I know what they're feeling? Do I know what they're thinking in this moment? And if I do, how did I know that? Well, it's the storytelling process. It's the cinematography. It's the creators behind the piece of work that has told you how they feel. And it's cool to analyze and understand those tactics. So if this was helpful, if this was enlightening, or if it was just fun and entertaining, I would appreciate it if you would give this video a like. If you would subscribe to the channel, I do these often, as well as my friend Wyatt and my brother, we do all kinds of content from our podcast to videos like these to reactions for movie trailers and such. So we have all kinds of cool movie commentary stuff on this channel. I'd appreciate it if you subscribe, stick around, and thank you so much for watching. Um, if you're interested and you're looking to support people on patreon who do work like this we have a patreon just search wiseworks or the link in the description and support us over on patreon if that's something you're into we greatly appreciate it we love you and now why it's going to come in and he's going to give us a little bit of get to know you video on ahsoka tano from his 
wonderful storytelling brain and how he sees the world of Star Wars from a unique perspective and sometimes out of the box. So let's go ahead and get into it. Thanks for watching. We'll see you later. Hey everyone, welcome to the video. Thank you so much for joining me here. We're going to be doing some Star Wars content again this week. This time we're going to be looking at a character from the Star Wars series. I was again sifting through Star Wars content looking for you know what I wanted to work on this week and I landed on a character that more recently has been very important in the Star Wars universe, just showed up in the live-action shows fairly recently, and that is Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka has been a character from when she first appeared in a, I believe it was a, the, the Clone Wars animated movie, which then became uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars animated show and into Star Wars Rebels, and now into The Mandalorian and Boba Fett. So we're going to be breaking down her character, looking through the lens of kind of the storytelling aspects of how this character has progressed and what we might be able to see from her in the future. So let's go ahead and get started. At the beginning of the show, Ahsoka was... Kind of a, a character to be a foil for Anakin Skywalker. She was given to him as his Padawan by Yoda to teach him some lessons as well as to teach her some lessons. Because they are both hot-headed characters who are very cocky and try to, you know, do, feel like their way is the best and do it that way. So at the beginning... Ahsoka was almost like a, a worse Anakin. You know, we only saw Anakin as a as a kid and as a teenager in the first two movies. And we didn't really get the full young Anakin experience. But in the beginning of the show, we see Ahsoka very much being extremely headstrong, extremely annoying, always making these cocksure decisions and usually ending up being right. And, and not really being punished for her rash behavior. This was a storytelling choice that Dave Filoni made. She was universally disliked by the viewers. And these were, these were character choices and storytelling choices that were intentional uh, to make her character start off as somebody who you wouldn't generally like to, to be around or to have to work with, and then to progress her character throughout the series and make her a more well-rounded character. She's being a Jedi alongside established characters like Anakin and Obi-Wan and Yoda, characters that we've known for quite a long time, and to just introduce this new Padawan Jedi as a main star of the show is strange, and then to have her be an incredibly annoying part of the show is more strange, but that was part of the plan. There's a video that goes more in-depth in this on YouTube. I believe it's by Lore Star, so you can go to YouTube and look up. They do a full breakdown of her going from being this annoying character to a better character and all the stuff that was kind of involved in that. 
as the character moves forward, she begins to learn and she begins to become a, a better, well-rounded Jedi who, you know, knows how to make smart decisions and knows how to be patient. That's a, That was a big episode of her learning how to be patient. She has a great relationship as the show moves on with Anakin Skywalker. It's a very almost like older brother and younger sister relationship. They're always having fun banter and making jokes with each other, uh, always there to kind of support each other. And uh, even going as far as making fun of Obi-Wan and calling him a stick in the mud sometimes, just having a good time and, and really growing together as characters. Uh, there's a lot of really good moments between the two, heartfelt moments that make you kind of realize that, yeah, this uh, Ahsoka character really is kind of part of Anakin's story, even though we didn't get to see that in the earlier films or in the prequel films. So eventually, Ahsoka, towards the end of the show, she's come a long way at this point, and she's a well-established character. I was kind of wondering as I watched the show, well, what happens to Ahsoka? Is she going to get killed during Order 66? What's going to happen? There's a couple episodes or one or two where she is framed for bombing the Jedi Temple. Um, she has to go on the run, and she has to defend herself from everybody hunting her down and blaming her. And then ultimately, the Jedi Council does not back her up. When she says, I didn't do this, I wouldn't do this, I was framed, the Jedi Council doesn't back her up. And then after they prove her innocence, the Council is like, you know, you're innocent and you know, we want you to come back into the Jedi Order and be a, a, a full Jedi Knight and, you know, all the good stuff. Ahsoka makes the decision that no, she kind of gets disillusioned to, you know, how the council works and she decides no i don't think i want to walk this path and she leaves uh, to figure out what she wants to do in her life uh, and it was a it was a tough scene it was an emotional part of the show to see her leaving anakin and the relationship that they had after what happened happened so there was a brief hiatus where you know the clone wars was over but they started making new shows and, you know, things were happening. They, I believe she showed up on Star Wars Rebels before the final season of The Clone Wars, which the final season really just kind of wrapped up what happened with Ahsoka during Order 66 and introduced the Bad Batch. At the end of the series, there were a couple filler episodes, but at the end, Ahsoka... And Bo-Katan, who we see in the Mandalorian show, lead a siege on Mandalore against the Death Watch, which is a group of extremist Mandalorians who believe their way is the best and they're working for Darth Maul. They're also getting a little bit into the lore. The Death Watch is an extremist group who kind of... An offshoot of that extremist group is the group of Mandalorians, which Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, comes from in his show. Uh, they're not quite as bad as the Death Watchers, but they are also an extremist Mandalorian group. On Mandalore, Ahsoka encounters Darth Maul. They have a brief conversation where, you know, he's trying to explain that the 
the Sith are ramping up. Darth Sidious has this mass genocide plan and that Anakin Skywalker is pivotal in this plan and has been groomed by his new master. So Ahsoka doesn't believe Darth Maul, obviously. even He even offers for her to join him and they can stop this or they can bring an end to the Sith and probably the Jedi. But again, she refuses and they have an epic battle. One of my favorite lightsaber battles. It really was beautiful how they did this scene. A lot of this battle is mocap with the original Darth Maul played by Ray Park. Really epic battle. If you haven't seen it, even if you're not a fan of the Clone Wars show, definitely go on YouTube and look up this battle because it's all mocap. It's really cool to watch. But after that, they capture Darth Maul. They're trying to transport him back to Coruscant. And that's when Order 66 happens. Ahsoka is on a ship with a lot of the members of the 501st, who are the clones that we've been following throughout the Clone Wars. So the Clone Wars is kind of a story about Ahsoka and about the 501st Legion, the first clones entering the war, and specifically a couple of the clones, one of which is Rex, who has been Ahsoka's friend since the beginning of the show. He's been a pivotal part of the show. Their relationship is... You know, they're very close. He's served with her for a few years. And this incident happens as they're in transit. She doesn't expect it, obviously. None of the Jedi expected it. But Rex starts having issues. He's he's trying to fulfill the order, but also trying to stop himself from fulfilling the order. Ahsoka eventually gets surrounded. She jumps up on a table. She's brandishing her lightsabers. Her lightsabers had been taken away after she left the Jedi Order, and these new ones were ones that Anakin gave her right before he left to do his mission guarding Emperor Palpatine. So the last thing, you know, the last interaction between them was right before the events of Revenge of the Sith. He gives her these lightsabers, they have a nice interaction with each other, and then he leaves. But then... She's surrounded by clones. Uh, she's on this ship. She's by herself. She can't trust anybody around her. And she manages to extract the, uh, I guess it's kind of a biomechanical chip that's in their brain. She manages to extract that from Rex and Rex only. And it's them two against all of the other clones on the ship. Clones that are, at this point, out of respect for Ahsoka, they painted their masks with her the orange color of her skin and the markings on their face uh, because they love her so much as a as a general as a commander eventually darth maul escapes the ship crashes and only rex and ahsoka survive and ahsoka leaves her lightsabers at the scene you know with the ship she made a lot of graves for the clone troopers and then there's a great scene afterwards where darth vader it has to be months or weeks or could be years afterwards and he finds the lightsabers that he gave her sort of confirming in his mind that she's alive after this it transitions into star wars rebels where ahsoka's not as much of a 
big player, but she's a key player. She saves Ezra Bridger and Kanan Jarrus from Inquisitors, and she's a big part of forming the rebellion with Bail Organa, Leia Organa's father. In this show, we finally get the kind of climactic reuniting to Ahsoka and Anakin. She encounters him first. He's in a uh, a TIE fighter chasing after the rebels in the show, and she feels the force and senses that it's that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker, which she did not know before. But they have a final battle on a Sith planet, and it's assumed that Ahsoka dies in this battle, but it was a really intense moment where she's telling him that she'll do whatever it takes, and he's telling her that, yeah, you know, he destroyed Anakin Skywalker. There's no Anakin Skywalker here. She tells him that, you know, she'll avenge her master. So there's this really epic fight scene between the two. She cuts off his mask, exposing, you know, his red eyes and... There's a moment where you feel like he recognizes her fully, where it's Anakin Skywalker and not Darth Vader, and she realizes this as well. And she says that she's not going to leave him. She's not going to leave her master behind like she did before when she left the Jedi Order. He's not going to spare her. He says he's going to destroy her or whatever. And the last thing you see in Rebels of them is kind of this dome closing uh eventually ezra comes back through he he enters a time portal and pulls ahsoka out of this moment in time it's a little convoluted if you don't know the show but long story short ezra kind of saves her a future version of ezra saves her and pulls her back into the timeline so she doesn't die At the end of Rebels, Ahsoka and Sabine Wren, another Mandalorian, set out on an adventure to find Ezra Bridger. He uses the Force and his his Force ability to sort of communicate with animals. He and a couple of space whales grab the main bad guy, Admiral Thrawn, and they transport somewhere. I don't know where. They just, with the power of the space whales transport somewhere it's a little wacky it's a little crazy but that's you know star wars is kind of a crazy place to be so that's where rebels ended off we didn't know where ezra was we didn't know where admiral thrawn was and ahsoka tano and sabine ran were off on an adventure to find them and that was kind of the end that's kind of where we figured it would end we absolutely i at least didn't expect to see her in the mandalorian because we also heard her voice when ray is hearing the voices of the dead jedi we hear ahsoka's voice kind of confirming that at that time at least she's dead but we did see her again in an episode of the mandalorian she comes back to help the mando with his you know, a little green Grogu problem. What to do with this force being, this creature that he knows nothing about. He doesn't know about the force. He doesn't know about the Jedi. And she kind of tells him, I can't really train him. I'm not really a Jedi. You're going to have to find an actual Jedi and sends him on another journey to find another Jedi. And ultimately, he finds Luke Skywalker. 
which is really fun and also something I didn't expect, which led to kind of a really great moment in the book of Boba Fett where we get to see Ahsoka Tano and Luke Skywalker interacting. It's really sweet to see how as a child, she trained from Anakin and had such a strong bond with Anakin. Then all these years later to be kind of watching Anakin's son train somebody else and their interactions with each other as two people who have gone through such difficult things with Anakin Skywalker. She ultimately wasn't able to save her master, but Luke was. He was able to save his father, which is a really cool thing to see. And it kind of harkens back to a previous episode where we talked about Star Wars. One of its main storytelling elements is hope. It's all about not giving up on, you know, even those that you think are too far gone. And she gets to see that even though Anakin's dead at this point. She gets to know that Luke saved him, essentially, that he brought him back, which is really cool. And then finally, we have the future of Ahsoka Tano. What is she going to be doing? What is this new show going to be about? I think it's really interesting in the artwork that they've put up. Uh, I don't believe this is an official art piece, but the Ahsoka part of it with the lines and everything is and those lines are actually uh, really important because in rebels the scene where ezra pulls her out of the past the space-time kind of place that he's in is made up of those lines of those glowing things and it looks very reminiscent of this pattern that we see behind the word ahsoka so we don't know what she's going to be doing. We don't have any information. But my prediction is going to be that it has to do with either Ezra Bridger, Sabine Wren, potentially, and perhaps Admiral Thrawn. I think Admiral Thrawn is going to be making his big return. We He was mentioned in The Mandalorian. I think he's going to be making his big return in the Ahsoka show. We've had the building stages. We've seen... Ahsoka go from being a brat to being a good Jedi on the run, helping form the rebellion to now kind of a teacher and a kind of the kind of the Yoda like character that our Jedi characters and our characters who need wisdom go to in this new era of Star Wars in the shows. I think we're going to get a little bit more of development on where she is now. She's obviously not the same person that we saw in Rebels. She's experienced the downfall of the Empire, and now she's kind of free to do whatever it is that she does. And we know from the novel, which I didn't get into, she's kind of all about helping people, going out and doing what she can for you know, communities and people. I think we're going to get to see a little bit of that, but I'm hoping that it's going to be a more linear story of her combating the return of Admiral Thrawn. So tell me what you guys think down in the comments. What do you think the new Ahsoka show is going to be about? Uh, what are your favorite moments from some of the Clone Wars, Rebels, Mandalorian, uh, Boba Fett, 
What are some of your favorite Ahsoka Tano moments, and where do you think that this character is going to go, and how is she going to interact in the future with other characters in the new Star Wars TV shows and movies? If you liked this video, if you thought it was informative, uh, please leave a like and subscribe. We also have a podcast channel where we go more in-depth into movies and shows and all sorts of stuff. We just have a good time. So check that out. That's the WiseWorks podcast. Subscribe over there. Check out the Patreon, and we will see you guys in the next video. Thanks. Okay, so we're going to get into if we could find ourselves dating someone like Ahsoka. Like, no, could you Ahsoka. Be yeah, Ahsoka. Could you find... Yeah. We're going to get into that. But first, I want to acknowledge something I learned mm. or I, I discovered, okay. you know, watching your piece. So the first thing is, in many ways, Anakin was able to be a better father figure to Ahsoka than his own son. Yeah. And yet it tough. was his own son and the compassion he had for his own son, Luke, that turned him from his dark ways. Yeah. And... That's got it. That's such a wonderful salvation story in mm-hmm. a way for Darth Vader and the emotions that come along with that from Ahsoka's side. To where when you we're we're watching the original Star Wars, Ahsoka is not a glimmer in our eye. No, but then you expand into this multi-dimensional universe of Star Wars and the the life of Anakin, and then you're like, wow, there was a major player in Anakin's life that cared and loved him and she wasn't able to she wasn't able to help him it's, but she got a chance to see him become who she knew he was it's truly i think the ahsoka story is one of my favorites mm. oh, just, absolutely she's incredible just because we had the first three movies mm-hmm. you know there's no ahsoka no. The prequels, no Ahsoka at all. Yeah. And then they introduced this character in a cartoon show. Who's a little brat. Everyone's like, brat. why do we have this character? And then somehow they make her like one of the best Jedi characters mm-hmm. um, into Rebels and now into the live action and managed to connect her to the live action characters that we saw in the original with yeah. luke skywalker mm-hmm. that's that's really cool to see you know this character who we thought oh you know she's kind of just in the cartoons mm-hmm. she's not really a big character even she's though like a, a lot of people a side quest yeah a lot of people <laughs> really loved her no she's an established jedi character who has a lot of story with a lot of the characters who we're mm-hmm. seeing bo-katan yeah. She's had a lot of interactions with Bo-Katan in the past. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to see her, you know, break into the larger Star Wars world mm-hmm. and the impact that she has had. Yeah. And, you know, Luke was just developing in his mom's belly mm-hmm. during Order 66. Oh, yeah. And yet she was present and she around was, for she that. She was fighting Darth Maul. She was fighting Darth Maul. Yeah bruh yeah and then in a lot of ways i think the way you put her as she's kind of in the you know post empire control world she is the one in the galaxy that kind of holds that jedi wisdom that yoda Mm -hmm. once held you know yeah and 
it's cool to see that, like, no, you don't go to Luke for some deep wisdom. Well, I think you go to Luke for your deep Jedi wisdom. I think you go Maybe. to Ahsoka for your um kind of to guide you on your path yeah maybe no matter what it is because she's not really a jedi not really but she's been she's been all over the map yeah she's found a a, a way she has experience with the jedi and the council mm -hmm. the old council she has experience during the whole order 66 and then the rise of the empire and then the fall of the empire mm -hmm. and now she has experience with the next generation of jedi led yeah. by luke skywalker and she's kind of in the background right there with him, mm -hmm. you know so and she has experience with the dark side yeah. through darth maul and all these other characters not really and her own mentor not really you know giving that jedi wisdom but being that person who's like you know, for especially Mando's, like, I can't teach him, but I know somebody who can. Mm -hmm. I know a Jedi who can, and I know how to tell you what to look for. Mm. She kind of has, she kind of has the knowledge. She do. She's got all the, uh, you know. The chops. No, no, the, the, uh, the word. Ah, what is it? She's got Experience. the. Experience. Uh, uh, no, I'm losing the word. <laughs> it's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, well, the hardiest. She thing. knows. She knows all the people. She knows the places. Connections. She got the connections. Dog. <laughs> you forgot the word connections. Yeah, I forgot the word connections. <laughs> She's kind of. And I was also thinking when I was saying this, how she connects <laughs> all the characters. It's like. Haven't we seen this before mm. in, in the Marvel t Netflix TV shows? Her character connected, uh, Rosario Dawson connected all the Marvel characters. She was in all of the shows as the same character, kind of bringing each character. You didn't watch the Marvel Netflix shows. No, I, sir. <laughs> but she played the same kind of character connecting yeah. everybody in those, in that the, all those shows yeah. as well. And I think it's funny to see her doing it again. She's going to keep doing it. It's her doing it. she, It's her destiny. Yo, Rosario Dawson connects people. She connects people. That's what she does. To get to the more important matter at hand, mm -hmm. could you see yourself if a Jedi or a gray Jedi were to date for love and companionship mm -hmm. could you find yourself with someone like her uh, someone like ahsoka or ahsoka ahsoka yes uh, yeah <laughs> that's an easy question i knew the answer from before you asked it it's like oh yeah yeah no ahsoka's fine yeah she's beautiful she is beautiful she, she's a great character mm -hmm. and she's she's strong she's strong independent <laughs> She'll protect your She got butt. the know-how. She got the connections, you know? <laughs> she knows what's up. Yeah. So. All right. So. What about you? I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say. I'm going to yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Look. She's an incredible character in the Star Wars universe. In my opinion, much more engaging than, no offense, the tired Skywalker story. Mm-hmm. She's much more engaging. Ray Skywalker. Yeah. What the As heck? Ahsoka is essentially everything that Ray isn't. You know, a, a character that's not overpowered, but also who is confident and who is cocky and yes. who is, you know, 
making all the decisions, but with good character development. And the reason for why she does what she does, as opposed to Ray, who's just like, I'm powerful and I don't know why. And, Let me figure out why. And a real actual connection to the, the Skywalker family. You know, a legit, really feels like a close connection. Mm-hmm. A developed know? connection. A, a developed connection. That's exactly. right. Um, I think her story might be some of the most beautifully told since the Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's yeah, got about as know, much. That early Anakin is a little weird. Yeah. But it's a part. It's important. Mm-hmm. But I think the Darth Vader as a character, we haven't seen someone as engaging since Ahsoka. Yeah. Or we haven't seen anyone as engaging as Ahsoka since Darth Vader. Yeah. So um, I want to kind of, we'll talk about this more in future weeks. Um Scale of 1 to 10, how mm. excited are you for the Kenobi show that's going to be coming out not too long from now? It seems like nowadays it's a little bit more, it's a little, it, it, it's it's smart to be skeptical, mm. you know, of, of what a show is going to be and what we're going to get. So And we're just getting say, data, we're getting data more and more. We have two awesome seasons of Mandalorian and then Book of Boba Fett, which wasn't as well accepted. Mm-hmm. I would say probably on a scale of excitement, I'm sitting sitting pretty at a seven. <laughs> sitting I'm pretty excited, at a seven. I'm excited, but skeptical. I definitely am, am looking forward to seeing Ewan McGregor again. Mm-hmm. And I hope his performance, uh, as of late, I am finding more and more qualms with the writing that goes into these shows. Mm-hmm. The writing that goes into Hollywood in general. Because yeah. when it comes down to it, cinematography is rarely the issue. You know, the creatives behind the show is rarely the issue. Um, producers and directors sometimes is rarely the issue. Yeah, Because we'll see a producer or a director work on something that sucks, and then they turn around and do a redemptive project, and it's awesome. We saw the same with Knives Out. What was yeah, his name? Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. We know he's a great director, but yet he made kind of the worst Star Wars film yeah, ever made. Pretty bad. So, but we love Knives <laughs> Out. We're super excited about Knives Out too. Yeah. So it's I'm seeing more and more that the common denominator is going to fall into probably the line producers. Um, the executive producers that we might see in certain companies like Amazon Prime, and then also these writers that are fresh off the you know the iron mm-hmm. that honestly their focus is not on creative storytelling; it's more on um, intertwining modern ideas with stories that we're just trying to be entertained by. Mm-hmm. So, um, one happy thing I am about is that hasn't leaked into Game of Thrones yet. Not yet. Not yet. And I, the thing is, I'm I'm looking forward to House of the Dragon, which we'll probably do a wacky, wonderful show on. Oh yeah, Game 100%, of Thrones, one hundred percent. But so this is this is Star Wars week three. Yeah. What you, what are you what are you, uh, of the upcoming Star Wars stuff? What are you most of? Ahsoka. Ahsoka. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. Oh. I, of course. Mm. She's my most excited. Not Mandalorian season three. Mm, I mean, it'll be good. A little bit of Mando, a little bit. It'll Kroka. be good. It'll be good. All right. But I think Ahsoka might be better. Okay. I think Ahsoka might be better. Okay. She might be in the season three. 
She's definitely going to be in season. I mean, she's three. been. She was in a war on Mandalore. Yeah. No, she's definitely. She's going to Mandalore. Yes. She been to Mandalore. I don't know. And she that got could the, be a connection. She got the know. She got the connections. He'll be like, "Could you lead me to Mandalore? I've never been there. I've never been. There. I need to. I need to take a bath. Could you? I don't have Google Maps on the, my phone. Yeah. Grogu Maps. <laughs> I don't have Grogu Maps. Look. Grogu can't get in there. He's no, too busy he with eating frogs and playing with metal balls. Tapping on the glass because he wants zoomies. <laughs> <laughs> he wants zoomies. Uh, thank you guys for watching. This has been the Wacky Wonderful Show with Joe and Wyatt. Mm -hmm. And we are halfway through this Star Wars content. Yeah. And I'm enjoying it. We'll probably come back to Star Wars again in the future as well. We're always going to circle back. Mm -hmm. Just like with other major franchises, like probably... Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, that when Doom. we eventually do Lord of the Rings. Um, a Doom, Doom, of course. Of course. They're, we're going to circle back around to a lot of these. Mm -hmm. um, just because they play such a heavy role in storytelling and what we all enjoy these days. Um, we'll dive into Marvel at some point. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> I know you're not as excited. I w I'm going to be very excited. You're going to be stoked. Yeah. Look... We love you guys for watching once more. If you are interested in supporting on the Patreon, we humbly ask if that's your thing that you would do so. It would be awesome. The link is in the description. You can find us by searching WiseWorks on Patreon. Um, there's a hand. There's a couple tiers that you can choose from, and that includes getting this show like nearly a week early. Yeah. Before everyone else does. Um, and once again, just to let you guys know, if you're interested in watching on Spotify, this show is now going to be on Spotify as well. So thank you guys. Just search WiseWorks Podcast. We'll be there. So thanks so much for watching this week. And um, may the force be with you always. Fears the mind killer.